Krista, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. As always, we pay respect to the traditional customs of the lands where you're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jonah, before we get into the League Cup, the Carabao Cup final, which was played uh, early this morning between Manchester United and Newcastle United, we'll look at some of the other big sporting headlines from around the world. And football, week 25 in the English Premier League was headlined by the London derby between Tottenham and Chelsea, as Spurs continued the Blues' misery with a 2-0 win, while Arsenal stayed two points ahead of Manchester City as they defeated Leicester City 1-0, while Manchester City... Brush, oh, crushed Bournemouth 4-1. Now at the bottom, Leeds United edged Southampton 1-0, while Aston Villa defeated Everton 2-0, and West Ham beat Nottingham Forest 4-0. So, Jono, a good win for Tottenham. Uh, obviously, Chelsea and Potter's struggles continuing, while at the bottom, Leeds United, a big win over Southampton, while West Ham uh, also got back into the winner's circle. Yeah, I mean, huge win for Leeds, scraping just a little bit out of that relegation zone for now, but it's going to be such an uphill battle for them. I think as well, look, what's happening at Chelsea is just so sad to kind of see unfold. The amount of firepower that they have is just absolutely crazy that they're not able to produce, not even score goals, it's not even finishing games, it's the fact of even scoring goals. But hats off as well to Tottenham, really securing themselves as that potential top four place there. Um, so congratulations for them for being able to secure another win. Had a couple wins on the trot now, so really good to see them uh, find some form here as of recent. World football and in Spain, the Madrid derby headlined the round as Real Madrid drew 1-1 with Atletico Madrid, while Almeria upset a Barcelona 1-0. In Italy, league leaders Napoli extended their lead at the top as they beat Empoli 2-0, while Bologna upset Inter Milan 1-0, and AC Milan defeated Atalanta 2-0. Germany saw a top-of-the-table clash between Bayern Munich and Union Berlin. Bayern Munich, though, were too classy for Union as they won 3-0, while Borussia Dortmund won 1-0 against Hoffenheim, and RB Leipzig saw Eintracht Frankfurt 2-1, setting up a big top-of-the-table or big uh, second-versus-third clash next week between RB Leipzig and Borussia Dortmund. Well, Le Classique headlined France's PSG outclassed Marseille 3-0, with Kylian Mbappe scoring a brace. While in Scotland, the League Cup took centre stage as Celtic defeated Rangers at 2-1 after Japanese player Kyogo scored a double, meaning Ange Postacoglu and Celtic added another piece of silverware to the cabinet there. Women's FA Cup, fifth round in England. Chelsea defeated Arsenal 2-0. Manchester City destroyed Bristol City 8-1, while Manchester United defeated Durham 5-0. Also, John, the new MLS season kicked off over the weekend in America. Um, again, plenty of potentials uh, to obviously win the big one at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to the MLS this year. I think that we've kind of started to establish the MLS as a great league for some young talent to kind of start their career off and then head out and then also for the older generations to kind of step in once their career starts to kind of dwindle over in Europe which I think is perfectly fine to be set as a league for that Um, but yeah very much looking forward to it I think it's going to be a great year ahead again Um, LAFC as well is definitely looking at a potential front runner um, with with the kind of a lot kind of looming in behind and I think it's also going to be a big year for Inter Miami the David Beckham's team there's a lot of chatter about him and potentially always signing Messi seems to always be the chatter so let's see if they can actually start producing a little bit as well to ensure that they're able to uh, get a good enough team to convince Messi to come out it was match week 18 in the Australian A-League and Central Coast and Wellington drew 1-1 
Melbourne City defeated Sydney FC 3-2. Western United defeated Newcastle Jets 3-1. Western Sydney crushed MacArthur 4-0. Melbourne Victory and Adelaide drew 1-1, while Brisbane Roar defeated Perth 2-1. Melbourne City continue to stay top, followed by the Central Coast and Western Sydney. Women's A-League here in Australia, match week 15. Canberra defeated Western Sydney 3-0. Perth defeated Brisbane 2-0. Sydney defeated Wellington 1-0. Western United defeated Newcastle 6-0. While Melbourne victory in Adelaide drew 2-2, meaning Western United stay top, followed by Sydney and Melbourne City. This weekend, John, the upcoming weekend also headlines NRL round one. Now, some headline fixtures to start the season. Parramatta take on Melbourne on Thursday night to start the season. The Penrith take on Brisbane on Friday. My Manly take on the Bulldogs down at Brookvale on Saturday afternoon, which should be a bumper crowd down there. Cronulla take on the South Sydney Rabbitohs. While the new team, Redcliffe Dolphins, take on the Sydney Roosters on Sunday afternoon at Suncorp. So, Jono, it's come around quick, but the NRL here again for another season. Yeah, it's back, and it's back in full force as well, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, it's been great weather here, in particular in Sydney, and mostly across Australia as well. So, I think it's going to be a fantastic kickoff weekend. Um, but yeah, very much looking forward to some of these matchups in particular. Whenever you get a new kid on the block, going to be looking forward to what they can do in the season ahead. Yeah, we're just, yeah, we're just see how the Dolphins go uh, first up against the Sydney Roosters. Rugby Union Super Rugby Round 1 over the weekend. The Chiefs defeated the Crusaders 31-10. to The ACT Brumbies defeated New South Wales Waratahs 31-25. to Fijian Drua defeated Mona Pacifica 36-34. The Auckland Blues crushed the Highlanders 60-20. The Hurricanes smashed the Queensland Reds 47-13. While the Western Force defeated the Melbourne Rebels 34-27. Meaning the Blues sit top, followed by the Hurricanes and Chiefs. Six Nations also continued over the weekend in Europe. Ireland defeated Italy 34-20. England defeated Wales 20-10. While France defeated Scotland 32-21. Meaning Ireland now sit top and is the only undefeated team in the Six Nations. Cricket, and it was a Women's T20 World Cup final in Cape Town, South Africa. And Australia defeated South Africa. Australia making 6 for 156. South Africa could only manage 6 for 137. Beth Mooney, top scorer for Australia with 74 non out, while Laura Woolvart made 61 for South Africa. It is Australia's sixth T20 title. So congratulations to the Australian uh, women's cricket team. Another magnificent uh, T20 victory there. New Zealand versus England, second test in Wellington. England are 1 for 48 at the end of day four, needing a further 210 to win the two-test two match series, 2-0 two there, over there in New Zealand. Also, the third test between India and Australia begins on Wednesday in Indoor, with Australian captain Pat Cummings out of the match uh, due to uh, his mum being seriously ill, so obviously he'll stay back in Australia. So we wish uh, Pat and his family uh, all the best there, and obviously our best wishes with him. Boxing, Jono. Uh, Paul versus Fury, uh, the YouTube star versus the boxer, and in the end, Tommy Fury defeated Jake Paul by split decision in their bout in Saudi Arabia. So we can see now what Jake Paul's next move will be in the boxing world. Basketball, Jono, NBA, Russell Westbrook to the LA Clippers, another big trade happening last week, while Damian Lillard, 71 points in Portland's win over Houston, and Boston continues to sit top of the East, while Denver continues to sit top of the West. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess it's kind of been highlighted in a recent of Russell Westbrook finding his home in the Clippers. And he's played the first couple games quite well, to be fair for them. I think the next thing for the NBA is just looking at the buyout market right now. Who's going to be left? There's actually quite a bit of firepower, kind of headlined by probably John Wall's name. And in particular, Derek Rose is one of the buyout candidates as well in terms of 
Are they going to be put onto a championship caliber team as a backup? Potentially some chats as well with my Phoenix Suns as well, signing somebody as potentially like a Derrick Rose or someone to play backup to Chris Paul. So we'll just have to see because there are some big, big names still in the buyout market, and that's going to be the next big thing of the NBA is who solidifies that playoff roster. Also in the NBL, the Kings versus New Zealand Breakers first game of their final series begins this Friday, so it should be a cracking series there. Well, Jono, it was the League Cup Final, the Carabao Cup Final, as it is called now, uh, early this morning here in Australia, uh, Sunday night over in Europe. And my Manchester United defeated Newcastle United 2-0, a Casemiro goal in the 33rd minute, followed by a Botman own goal in the 39th minute, decided the game. Uh, It was Manchester United's sixth League Cup and first trophy since 2017, while Newcastle United's 54-year wait for a trophy continues. Uh, It'll also obviously signal Ten Hag's uh, first trophy as Manchester United manager. Johnny, before we get into a little bit around the game and the specifics and where it was won and lost, how significant do you think a moment this is for Manchester United in regards to Ten Hag especially winning his first trophy? Yes, the Carabao Cup is probably seen as as the least of the important trophies when it comes to the English season, but still a trophy now. Uh... So obviously, and big for Ten Hag to win it. And obviously, Manchester United haven't won a trophy since 2017. So big for them to obviously get back into the winner's circle. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess what it's kind of signifying is is the start of a winning mentality under Ten Hag. I mean, that has to be the first step, is just being able to just win the games that you need to come up against. And they've proven that so far in the in the, in the recent as well, in the last couple of months in particular, really stepping up to the plate when it needs to be. And in particular, in something like this, when it's a final, you need to step up. You just need to make sure that you get the win. Yes, it is probably the lowest of the of, in terms of the cups in as it goes for English football. But still in the same right, it's still a final. You still need to perform, and that's what they were able to do. I think as well, it just really shows us that shift to the finally the players really clicking under Ten Hag. They're playing as a unit. I think it was fantastic that signing of Casemiro as well as really showing his worth. I think the 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 life that Rashford has been able to find as well after this World Cup has just basically just taking United into being a contender in any game now moving forward as well so they've been playing great and they rightfully deserve this and now it's just going to be the kind of moving on from this as well making sure that yes we got one but the job's not done there if you're going to be a club like Manchester United and have that history that they have that winning mentality want to be a big club one's not enough you got to get them all I guess what can't be ignored is is the way Ten Hag has been able to turn this team in Manchester United around. We looked at the beginning of the year, that that home defeat against Brighton to start the season, and that heavy away defeat to Brentford, and it was looking all pretty doom and gloom. We obviously knew the situation with Cristiano Ronaldo, which in the end, Ten Hag won out in regards to showing who was the boss in that club and what would work for his team, which I actually think has been a positive for this Manchester United team moving forward in regards to looking to the future, regardless of how obviously good... Cristiano Ronaldo has been for that club and had been for that club. Um, again, in this game, just just watching it, Ten Hag's in-game ability to be able to change and, and adapt to a game, I thought, again, was really impressive. We saw in that first half, uh, St. Maximum for Newcastle down the wing was causing Diego Dolot yeah. um, a little bit of trouble. We know how direct he is, and, and Dolot picked up that early yellow card, and I thought Wan-Bissaka's performance in the second half was outstanding. I haven't seen Wan-Bissaka play like that for since we probably brought him as a $50 million player from Crystal Palace, a highly 
valued player at the time, and obviously we've seen his confidence and his form really drop away. But Ten Hag seems to really be able to bring a performance in him. And obviously, we saw in these big games, these big finals, Manchester United weren't at their very best, but we saw the importance of players such as Casemiro, serial winners, Rafael Varane, Alessandro Martinez at the back, I thought were outstanding in terms of uh, committing to challenges and really wanting to defend and keep a clean sheet. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned, every time Marcus Rashford got the ball, there was a sense of anticipation. We saw him obviously create that second goal. It obviously took that deflection off Botman, which went over uh, Carrius into the Newcastle net. But just his pace, John, I mean, his directness, I thought it's a play just full of confidence and a play that every time he gets the ball, he thinks he can make something happen. Yeah, look, I mean, first and foremost, I just feel for Carrius as well, the goalkeeper for Newcastle. I mean... He has just been in his career a roller coaster of events as well when it comes to big games and just sometimes not turning up. I mean, yes, that Rashford goal that did take a deflection. I mean, it just, it, you know, look, he potentially could have done better there, but yes, when it takes a wicked deflection. But overall, I mean, I just feel his record is just is quite sad when you look at that. But overall, I think, look, when you look at this game, that first 20 minutes or so, Newcastle looked quite dangerous as well, just getting in down the sideline and whipping balls in. I just think it was that lack of offensive threat at times and positioning as well from Newcastle to be in the right place at the right time. That's what the best strikers in the world do. They're there at the right place. And a lot of those balls would just kind of come into the middle and just go a bit missing. Sometimes United got it quite lucky with that as well. I mean, there was some opportunities that maybe you could have just gone down 1-0 right off to the start as well. Um, as you said, St. Maximus as well was just fantastic at times, but then that switch did kind of, of course, just even just the pace of the game as well did kind of change. Um, but the big thing for me, realistically, is just the the composure and shape as well as Man United is playing right now. I think it's actually quite well. They're holding themselves in the midfield as well, and that's going to be that's the big credit, as, of course, as I said to Casemiro, as well as Bruno Fernandez being a bit of a creativity playmaster as well. Again, I see he's, he's finding a bit of form as well, a bit of confidence too. And I think what this can really do for United is really show that they can win these big games. And I think that's going to be the thing that can potentially move them up in these in these cup games in these you know in in these tournaments that they're in I don't think in this season I don't think they're necessarily going to leapfrog all the way to Arsenal or City but what they can look at is hey where's our opportunity right now and your opportunity lies in all these different cup games that you still have to play for now so you can still win some trophies you might not be able to win the Premier League this year necessarily but you can win some trophies and then build on that for next year and I do think that they've been able to find a bit of a winning mentality now and it's just going to be if they can continue this for the next couple games as well yeah touching on Newcastle I actually thought they didn't play too badly in probably that first 20-25 minutes they, they were sort of controlling uh, the tempo of the match United were happy to sort of sit back and, and hit on the break but what Newcastle really lacked was that cutting edge up front Callum Wilson we know he can score goals but just uh that little five-meter run, they got some good balls into the box with no one there. Yeah. We saw Eddie Howe bring on Alexander Izak in, in the second half. They're obviously record signing. Uh, but again, he sort of just lacked that little bit of sharpness up front to really uh, put the Manchester United defense under pressure. But I think Newcastle fans, and I think Eddie Howe and the club should be really positive, even regardless of this defeat. I think the club, I think, is a couple of years ahead of where they were probably expected to be, even with, obviously, we know the investment that has come into this club, but I don't think anyone expected Newcastle uh, to adapt and, and to be so competitive 
so quickly, considering last year they were battling for relegation. They were battling to stay in the Premier League and for Eddie Howe to turn this club around to where they're potentially fighting for European positions and making cup finals, their first cup final since uh, 98-99, which was the FA Cup final, uh, which they lost to United as well that year. But I think just the atmosphere around the game was amazing. Watching those Newcastle fans, I, I feel like the whole of Newcastle uh, was in London, was at Wembley to, to watch this game. So, Jono, in terms of those scenes, a really positive step forward for Newcastle. And they will surely only get better. Obviously, more investment, better players. They, As I said, they probably still lack that next level of play if they really want to push into the into the top four and, and beyond. Um, but players such as Bruno Gamaris in the midfield uh, do add that little bit of quality, but they probably need that little bit more up front um, and a little bit more quality through that midfield if they obviously want to compete with the really big boys. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Newcastle fan, I mean, you have to be just excited by the prospect of where they're going. Now, we know all the controversy surrounding the money and where it's actually coming from, but realistically, we know as well that they're going to have probably a very, very big summer. Um, They're going to be looking at this as a real big opportunity, considering that right now, as you pointed out, they're doing very well with the players that they have. They did bring in some great players. Players? And not a big squad. I think that's the other thing we're seeing. We've seen a little bit of a drop-off in the Premier League, which we've sort of discussed over the last few weeks. I think a little bit of lack of squad depth is probably coming back to bite them a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's the thing, is that you look at them as a whole... They're doing fantastic right now in the Premier League. Still, they're hanging on to that four spot right there. If they can get top four, I think that just even means even more so that their summer signings are going to be even bigger and they're going to be trying to make a splash. As well as, you know, like I said, you got to look at this as a potential win as well. Getting to the final, still being competitive, being able to handle that these fixtures on top of the Premier League as well because they don't have the depth. That's just, that's just them as of right now. But to be able to do that still, hats off to you. So realistically, it's, it, it does show the future is bright for Newcastle. It's just going to be kind of managing their current talent, making sure they keep on building on that, and then bringing in the correct pieces in the summer. They need to make sure that they see what they have. They have a solid foundation now. How can we elevate that? How can we get a clinical finisher up top? How can we start elevating things like that? That's what they really need to think about, not just doing what Chelsea did and just splashing cash and just bringing in players left, right, and center because that's not going to take anywhere and we can see what's happening right now. So it's very important, these next steps for Newcastle. What are they going to do next? Yeah, I think overall, I think it's a positive for both clubs to be there in this cup final. Obviously, great for Manchester United to win and for Ten Hag, which I think is just adding um, to his resume and and the way people are thinking about Ten Hag and the way he's leading this Manchester United team. You can see a clear structure, you can see clear ideas, and you can see a way that he wants to move forward. And be again, interesting to see how Manchester United react in the summer transfer window. Definitely need a big striker to come in. We, they know that. Obviously, brought Veghorst in just as a bit of cover. And I thought he was actually outstanding yeah. this morning in regards to hold up playing out the way he brought other players into the game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Ten Hag and Manchester United attack that summer transfer window. Most likely, they'll be back in the Champions League. So again, obviously, back at the elite mm. level of European football. So they'll know they need to strengthen to, to really compete there. Um, but obviously, a really big positive step forward and as I said I think a really positive step forward for Newcastle amazing atmosphere great league cup final which at times can be a little bit uh, on the back foot and, and sometimes teams can to not take it as seriously but both these clubs took this game very seriously this morning and both really wanted to win uh, so a great contest in regards to that 
talking about Manchester United, John, not only they've been uh, in the news with what's been happening on the field, but obviously what's been happening off the field. We know the rumoured takeover uh, that uh, Manchester United uh, are looking at possibly um, being taken over. There's three main, uh, I guess, organisations, companies, individuals that are, that are looking at this. Uh, you've got, out of Qatar, you've got Qatari banker Sheikh Jassim bin Hamid Al Thani. Well, English billionaire Sir John Ratcliffe and US hedge fund Elliott Management have all uh, expressed their interest. Um, we know how United fans feel about the Glazers and, and the way they've run the club, where they've they've put United in, in millions of debt, obviously using United's money to, to fund um, and take out of the club. What have you made of the talk around United and this possible takeover? Obviously, the Glazers, the rumours are they're looking at around $6 billion in terms of the club. We saw Chelsea go for around $4 billion, and we know United's a bigger club again than, than Chelsea. And in terms of the potential people, uh, organisations that are looking to take over, what have you made of the discussion, and where do you think it possibly uh, could be heading? Yeah, look, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's quite crazy that we're in potentially the same year or let's say two or three years that two big clubs such as Chelsea and United go through different ownership and there's chatter of some other clubs as well that you know potentially might change of ownerships even as we just touched on as well Newcastle just recently too so you know you think about that that's quite remarkable that there's that there's that much changeover that's happening right now and really just signifies I think a bit of a shift in football and it looks like that shift is definitely going to these oil rich countries um, and unfortunately, the big thing is, is that, you know, we, we cannot continue to turn a blind eye as to what that kind of comes with as well. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what's what's happening. Yes, United fans have, have been very, very um, loud about their gripes with the Glazers and everything. But at what cost as well, if potentially does go, you know, to a Qatari-backed owner. Um, I think that's going to be the big thing as well, because... You know, you have a club such as United and such a rich history, you know, it really is, you know, a club that the fans are just so passionate about. And yes, you don't like your current owner, don't get me wrong, but if we just saw anything about from the World Cup, we have to really, really be careful as to who we're doing business with. We said this with Newcastle before as well. We know what's happening as well across across the world from all these clubs that are backed by, like I'm saying, oil-rich countries that have very poor track human rights uh, records. I just don't know if it's good enough to just take the money and just and just look the other way. It just really isn't. And as I said, if, if the World Cup was really anything, it just seemed that they just continue to try and hide their problems, not actually solve their problems. And this is another thing that they're just, I think, just trying to boost their reputation as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see what actually happens. As you said, there's a couple of the candidates, of course, in the running. Um, it's a very high evaluation, so not many uh, people, organizations, or however you want to look at it, are going to be up to uh, to own this, uh, to own United. So it'll be very interesting to see what the next couple of steps are. A couple of thoughts from thinking about this, and obviously being a, a Manchester United fan, I think, firstly, as you said, Jono, the valuation obviously cuts out a lot of people, so there's really only going to be a few people or few organisations in the running to be able to take over Manchester United. Secondly, 
what percentage do the Glazers want to sell off? Do they still want to keep a majority share? So in terms of that, they haven't really specified in terms of how the takeover would be structured if it went through. And I think if, for example, the Qatari bid was successful, I think that is a real indictment on not only the English game, but the world game. And I actually think it would be a real negative. Yeah. Even as a United fan where you look at it and imagine the money that would come in and, and the ability to obviously buy, go out and buy the best players. But I actually think uh, it would be a really sad moment for, for English football. And it'd be almost like if you're not owned by one of these oil-rich countries or, or Arab countries, then um, it's too hard to compete. And I actually don't think United should ever have got themselves in a position where they're actually relying on being taken over by such an organisation. That's how messy they've got over the last decade, especially since Ferguson left in terms of where the club's gone. It's it's gone backwards in terms of the way it's been run and owned, which does come down to the Glazers in terms of uh, what's been invested back into the club. So I actually think it's a really sad indictment as well on Manchester United, where now they're almost thinking that they need to be taken over by uh, a Qatari banker to be able to compete with the very best in the world. Um, so I'm going to be very interested to see where this progresses um, and obviously what happens with the Glazers and, and whether they're going to give any more specifics on exactly how, if they are to, to sell the club, how that is actually yeah. going to be structured. We know these these are not straightforward organisations and, and um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it, how it all goes. But uh, it's certainly going to be a story that's going to be rumbling on in the background um, and we'll see where, obviously... It happens, and, and if United next season have uh, potential uh, new owners, which would be certainly interesting to, to view. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, uh, as you said, it's just a crazy that right now the sports world as a whole is just turning to this kind of situation. We even see it in the golf, as we've talked about previously as well with the Live Tour and everything. It just seems that in order to, to be at the top now, you just have to splash a lot of cash. Um, and it's really sad that it then also becomes that because it just becomes a game as to who has the most funds is going to be the most successful team. And that's just that's just not what everybody wants to see. So I agree. I mean, I think if it comes to this, it's actually going to be a sad day that it's really going to be that turning of the guard, unfortunately, for, for a negative side, not really in a positive manner. Yeah, we'll see how that uh, story unfolds and we'll certainly keep a close eye on it. Well, as always, John, we'll end with five quick questions. I have you this week, mate. You ready? Let's go. All right, number one, Jono. How many trophies will Manchester United win this year? Obviously, already got one. They're potentially in the running for three more. How many do you think they actually will end up with at the end of the year? Ooh, I mean, look, you got to be happy with your one right now. Um, I mean, look, I, I I could see them potentially going quite deep in in Europa. Um, I'll give you that. So, I wouldn't say. You're gonna win them all, but maybe I'll give you I'll give you that two trophies to end the year. I think if I think if you gave that to a United fan at the beginning of the year, they'd be pretty happy. So if Europa League and Carabao Cup come United's way, I think that'll be a pretty successful year from from Tenag, and if he finishes obviously top four as well. Will the Russell Westbrook trade to the LA Clippers be a positive for both Russell and the Clippers? Oh look, I mean, I think it's just gonna come down to what what Russell Westbrook are we gonna get. Um, he really needs to start. He needs to recognize his role essentially, and he just needs to be a bit of a facilitator and just just be just be a passer. Don't worry about anything. Let Paul George and Kawhi really take over at, at certain points. 
if he accepts that, then yeah, potentially he'll fit into that a little bit because he is a great player, don't get me wrong. But um, he really needs to accept his role under the Clippers. And if he does that and Kawhi stays healthy in particular, I think the Clippers will be better. Yep. It'll be interesting to see how that trade works out. Another NBA question. Do you see Kyrie Irving eventually ending up with LeBron James at the LA Lakers? That rumor just does not go away. Oof, that's, um, yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to say no, only for the reason of I don't think LeBron James is ne- necessarily going to be at the Lakers because as soon as his son gets drafted by a team, he is heading there. No matter if he takes a significant pay cut or whatever, he figures out a way to break his contract. He will be heading to whatever team that he his son is. So having said that, I don't know if they can make it where both him and Kyrie go to that team. So I'm going to say no. Number four, we did touch on earlier when we are talking about uh, rugby league, the new NRL season uh, beginning. Will the Redcliffe Dolphins win more than eight games in this year's NRL season? They have been tipped already to win the wooden spoon and, and their trial form hasn't been great. And we know how tough the NRL is. Yeah, look, oh, that's that's just going to be such an uphill battle. When you're new new to the block, I think first couple games you might come out real hot, guns blazing, but then it really just is going to challenge you. So I'm, I'm going to have to say no. Um, I think it's just going to be such a challenge. The first, first year in, shouldn't be expecting too much. It's going to be those couple, those three, four years in, that's when you really should be expecting a lot more. Um, but I mean, hey, hats off for being able to finally get a run out. I know it's been a couple years in the making, so we'll, we'll see what the season lies ahead. Hopefully I am wrong. It'll be fantastic. fantastic. I guess one positive, they do have the super coach in Wayne Bennett mm. leading him up there, so we need to see how they go. And last one, for the sport of boxing, was it good to see Jake Paul being defeated by Tommy Fury? Um, I think that's a tough one because I think for boxers as a whole, I would still say no because I would be quite pissed off still if that a Jake Paul fight is getting more coverage than my actual bison fight. Million dollars for the fight. Yeah, so I I'd be quite pissed if I was an actual boxer. Having said that, maybe it's bringing some more casual viewers to boxing. I don't know. We'll see if that sticks, but clearly he just is phenomenal at marketing. He's phenomenal at stirring just stuff up just to make it bigger and not better, but bigger, I would say. So for this actual sport of boxing, probably not the best, but maybe a couple more casual viewers might say, hey, I actually like this sport now. And maybe they've kind of locked on. But as a boxer, I'd be very, very pissed off by this continuation. With the loss, though, he did miss out on getting an official ranking which he would have got if he had won the fight quite amazingly so uh yeah it'd be interesting to see if he gets back into the ring well that brings the end of another episode of behind the lights with me seb and me Jonah. as always thank you for your support and good night